You're welcome to Faith to Faith broadcast. Enjoy the dynamic teaching ministry of Pastor Tibby Peters, the president of Renaissance Assembly Incorporated. This message will take you from where you are to where you ought to be. opportuned to gather as ministers of the gospel is important to know that there is always a release of the spirit enablement from heaven we will never get to a place where we don't need that enablement hallelujah there are constant supplies of the spirits paul was speaking in philippians chapter 1 verse 19 he said if i know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the spirit of jesus christ meaning that the situation will turn to my salvation hallelujah how through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit. Now, if we pray and there's no supply of the Spirit, you know what prayer becomes? It just becomes a way that we vent excess pressure. But prayer is not just to vent excess pressure. Prayer is how we receive supply. Hallelujah. So this evening, there's a supply of the Spirit. Hallelujah. For every venture. For the projects ahead. For the months ahead to close the year strong. Hallelujah. Supply of the spirits. And anytime there is a supply of the spirit, what happened was what Paul was talking about. He knows that it shall turn to my salvation. I know that there will be help when there is a supply of the spirit. I know that when there is a supply of the spirit, the job will be done. The task will be accomplished. Ministry will be fulfilled. That which the Spirit of God wants to get done will be done. Without the supply of the Spirit, we can't do ministry. Paul understood that. He said, we are not sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of, as of ourselves. He said, our sufficiency is of God who had made us able ministers. Hallelujah. Able ministers of the New Testament. Not ministers of the letter, but of the spirits. Why are we dispensers of the spirits? Because there is a supply that comes constantly to us. So we can dispense. Hallelujah. He now says that we, 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 we are people that are bossers of the manifold grace of God. Hallelujah. So as we go back to our stations, we'll be disbursing. Hallelujah manifold, the many-sided hallelujah, grace of God. But we are that are dispensing. We have to know how to constantly receive. We have to learn how to constantly receive. For us to constantly dispense, we have to constantly what? Receive. The greatest virtue in ministry the greatest ability you can have in ministry or the greatest thing you can know in ministry is how to receive. Glory to God. How to receive. The whole testament, new covenant, was designed 
for receiving. Glory to God. It was not designed for someone to make it happen. No, it was designed that we receive. Paul was asking, what do you have, of, what do you have that you have not received of the Lord? Amen. So, there is a terminology that has been introduced over the years that changes the focus. We say, oh, um, have you given your life to Christ? We don't actually give our lives to Christ. We receive Christ. Amen. We receive Christ. The actual thing that happened is that we received eternal life. We receive the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Everything that makes us who we are and makes us do many, we receive the gifts of the Spirit. We receive. We are receivers. Hallelujah. We are receivers. So, understand that. This salvation we are talking about, we received it. And so I want to plead with you tonight to receive. To receive. And to be in the receiving mode. Glory to God. Because when, when you come in that receiving mode, things jump on you. Hey, and glory to God. Go and ask Cornelius. Amen. Acts chapter 10. That's his address. Ask Cornelius. He will tell you something about receiving. An angel had appeared to him and said, Hey, send for Pastor Peter's. Amen. Send for him. Amen. You understand that? God doesn't send men for special assignments that he doesn't trust. Amen. He, said, he didn't say, oh, oh, no, just send for anybody. Uh, anybody can do it. No, 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 no. Send for Peter. When he shows up, something will happen. God looked at this man, Cornelius, and he said, hey, 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 look, your prayers and your arms have come up as a memorial. Something has to be done. This man cannot remain outside the kingdom. He has to come into the kingdom. Peter was fasting. Just about the time he was to eat, he fell into a trance. And then he saw a sheet with all manner of four-footed beasts descending from heaven. And when he saw it, the Lord said, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. Second time, third time, rise, Peter, kill and eat. He said, I have never eaten anything unclean. God said, hey, 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 that which God has called or blessed, do not call uncommon. Amen. What was God doing? See something prophetic happening. He is in his house. The other man is in his house. But God is doing something. Hallelujah. Listen to me. There are impartations that will come upon you in these meetings today, tomorrow morning and evening. But listen, come with that expectancy. Why did God not just move Cornelius somehow, somehow he will meet him? No, he gave him a reason to be expectant. When this man comes, he will come, wait for him. So imagine, um, Cornelius was wondering, who is this kind of man that God is sending to me? Are you understanding me? Oh, is he a human being at all? Are you understanding me? That God is specifically saying, that's what you need. Now imagine, an angel appears to you and he can't do anything for you. He's looking for a man to come and do what he can't do. Amen. That's why the Bible calls us gifts. When he says he gave gifts to men, he's not talking about the thing. He's talking about the man. He gave men to men. Amen. Receive me as God's gift to you tonight. So the angel said, wait till somebody is coming. Amen. But angel, you're already here. You came from heaven. Why didn't you bring the thing at once? Say, no, I cannot give it to you. 
there is someone packaged to deliver it. So he's coming. He gathered his household and waited. But you see what? Expectation was high. Something's about to happen. Expectation was high. And while they were sitting down, Peter came. Hallelujah. Now, Peter would not have gone, but the Lord had sent, um, the man had sent men to, to Peter. And then the Lord said, go with them. Follow them. And Peter went with them. When he got to the house and came in there, now, it is not normal for a Jewish leader like Peter to be associating and communicating this glorious gospel to those that are not Jewish. Amen. Maybe they somehow would have thought it's for us. Although Philip had been to Samaria, but somehow there were still some doubts about what was going on. But now God said, look, 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 let me prove to you that this thing is not just for you. Go there. The Bible says, while Peter was yet speaking. That means that you know, there are several translations and explanations about that and commentaries about that particular chapter of the, of the Bible. Some renderings say that while he was trying to prepare what he would say, some were saying that while he just started what he was saying, well, whatever we know is that he had not arrived. Are you understanding me? But expectation was collecting even when the one that wanted to share had not yet arrived. That's what expectation does. Amen. So, imagine Peter saying, the title of my message, maybe even one will say, are you sure that this thing is for you? Amen. <laughs> we, that were witnesses of his majesty. Notice the lines of Peter. Amen. Eyewitnesses of his majesty. I was with him on the holy mount. When I heard a voice from heaven, Amen, say, this is my beloved son. Hear you him. I saw with my very eyes, Moses and Elijah. Maybe that's what he wanted to say. The Holy Ghost left Peter on the pulpit and met the people in the pew. Amen. Why? Expectation. Everybody say expectation. Say it again. Expectation. That's it. Expectation. Now let me say something to you as a minister of the gospel. When you learn to live and function with that kind of expectation that God can visit you at any moment. Expectation is contagious. When you stay, it, it breaks forth in your church too. Hallelujah. That any church or group of people that gather and are always expectant, they will not be far from the move of God's Spirit. Amen. It's true. So it starts with the leader. So you learn to be expectant. You, you know that God does good things, but you don't know what, he's going to, what exactly He's going to do today. Amen. Oh, but God is going to surprise us. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. That's what it means to be like a child in the presence of God. Alright? To be a child. To be a child in His presence. You know, in a minister's meeting, you could make it difficult for yourself to receive. You know why? Because you came like a man of God. You understand that? You came like a man of God. I don't know even what that means, you know. No, 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 no. Receive. And, you see, the state of your heart. You know, there are times when people go to a place 
And if you set your mind that you're going to minister, rather than to be ministered to, sometimes you can even miss out. Amen. There's some young ministers I was counseling years ago, and I said to them, you know, uh, most of the time, they go for conferences, alright? Maybe they had opportunity, um, most of us growing up, you know, we had opportunities to be around great ministries, you understand that? Oh, maybe, oh, this minister of the gospel is coming, and then we were in that meeting, and then we were in that meeting. And so I was talking to these ministers, uh, ministers, and I was telling them something. I said, the times I had the opportunity to sit in Archbishop Benson Daosa's meetings, I was, my heart was glued on every movement. If he blinked, I received. If he walked, I received. Are you understanding me? Glory to God. So, let me tell you why I was talking to them. I found out that some of those younger ministers, maybe they hear uh, someone like uh, Pastor Benny Hinn came to Nigeria, or Bishop... Um, um, was in one meeting or one minister of the gospel somewhere around the world came for a conference you know what they are believing God for when they come for the meeting that the man will give them an opportunity to speak for 15 minutes I said listen listen we are not thinking like that to speak what to speak what I said we came for those meetings and we came with the expectation to receive there will be many places to speak let my desire for speaking not block my desire for receiving. Let my speaking be interrupted in the future. I say, hey, 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 hey. Don't enjoy yourself. Amen. You know, that's what I said. I said, don't enjoy yourself. Amen. I said, when we come for those meetings, we might be causing fire somewhere. Blowing up the place. You understand that? You will lift your hand like this. Hiya, this side of the congregation will go up and come down. When you go for those meetings, you will sit down to receive. <laughs> Why? Because you understand that there are giftings and graces locked in personalities. Why it is so, we don't know. But that's how God designed it. Amen? That's how He designed it to be. And when you, 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 you learn that, you find that it is easier for you to do ministry. Praise God. I found out that staying in the place that God had positioned you in is what makes ministry successful. Hallelujah. That's true success. It's not about trying to do something great. It's about doing what you were meant to do. Praise God. So in essence, in ministry, what we, we're doing is that we step into our inheritance. Amen. This is what we're born for. All right? What we're doing is what we're born for. Amen. God gave fins to fishes and wings to birds. So when fishes are 
in the river or in the sea, what they need is the fins. Amen. They don't need wings. So for me to sit down and be trying to achieve what someone with wings or the bird with wings will achieve when I'm a fish. Amen. You see where problem starts? So you find your place. When you come to the water, I'll show you who I am. Amen. <laughs> when I come to the air, I will watch who you are. Amen. <laughs> and enjoy it. <laughs> Whoa, see flying. Man. Wow. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> Let's come to the water. Let's see. Let me show you something. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Are you getting the picture? That's how to receive. So, let me just say this quickly before I get into what we have for today. One of the giftings of God upon my life is the ability to impart. Such that there's I don't know how to explain it, but even when we were not conscious of it, it was happening. That's why I told you, I said, as you're here listening, you see, it really doesn't have anything to do with how long you've been in ministry. It's just designed that way. The Bible calls it the gifts of the Spirit. Is that not? He didn't call it the toys of the Spirit. The difference between toys and gifts is that all of you here as adults, nobody still buys you toys, but you still receive gifts. Am I communicating? There's never an age you will get to that you will not receive gifts. So, you come for a meeting and there is a manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit. Don't behave like it's a toy. It's for the children. <laughs> no, no, it's not for the children. It's for everybody. Whether it's the gift of prophecy, whether it's the gifts of healings, whether it's the gift of working of miracles, whatever I think, it's for everybody. We all need it. And so we should be willing to always receive, even if sometimes we function in those gifts. Okay, Paul was sitting now in a meeting. Huh? Paul, Apostle Paul. You know that they said that when they even read some of his letters, people will be shaking. That's how, that's how people will be shaking when they read his letters. When they now even see the fellows, say, eh, now this is the guy be this. <laughs> that's how it was, you understand? But when they read his letters, they'll be shaking. Because they used to read his letters in the church. They'll come up and read the letters of Paul. Um, this is from Apostle Paul. <laughs> you know what I mean? Then they'll start reading. The power of God. They'll be reading. Great things were happening by the letters of Paul. To the extent that, you know, Paul, one of the churches said, he said, look, I think it was Colossian Church. He said, take the letter I wrote to you. And... Give it to the Laodicean church. Let them read it. Then collect their own and read. Amen. Hey, <laughs> glory to God. There was power in those letters. But Paul was sitting down one day. And a prophet that you don't even know, some of you might know him because you are a Bible scholar. His name is Agabus. Came to Paul and gave him a prophetic word. He received it. As a matter of fact, if he didn't give Paul a word, we would never have heard his name. Amen? <laughs> Maybe. There were just two times or so he was mentioned throughout Acts. 
That means that he was not closed to the giftings. Amen. But he was Apostle Paul. Glory to God. And the man came and gave a word. Am I communicating? So I plead with you tonight. Receive. Tap your neighbor say receive. Tap your neighbor say receive. Glory to God. Alright, so this is how it's designed. Alright? And you, 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 you learn to function that way. It's a grace. It's a grace. It's a grace. It's a grace. Someone I respect so much. Doing, doing great things in ministry. He's a much older minister. Doing great things. So one day he called me. And then he said, How do you do the television ministry? And then I said, We just do it. We just do it. So he said, Of course you know why I'm asking. Because it is... We've tried it. It's not just happening. Now let me explain. You know, there are, God has blessed different people. There are churches that are financially very strong. You know, there are some churches, I'm not talking down anybody. There are some churches that their kindergarten church offering is more than another church's annual budget. Are you understanding me? I'm saying kindergarten, I mean children of between zero and two, the offerings that they give. I, I'm not, I tell you literally, I'm not joking. You understand? So, this particular church is a church that is financially strong. So, it, money is not the issue. So, said, we have the money. We have all the equipment. There are some equipment that I even mentioned. I don't even have it. Are you understanding me? I don't have it yet. So, so, how are you doing it? So, you know what I understood? I understood that it was a grace. So, while we were talking, I said, um, this, I think, this is what you should do. And he was not just asking, he wanted to receive. So, I said, tell me what you are doing. He, he mentioned what he was doing, everything. I said, okay, do this, do this. I just told him two or three things. He said, why didn't I ever think of that? Because it's a grace. Amen. And by the way God has helped us, we were able to help them. I didn't give him money. Don't misunderstand me. The help was a spiritual substance communicated to that ministry. And then the ability to do TV also came upon them. Are you with me? Now some people think that Money is everything. No, you can have money in ministry and not be able to do the thing that money <laughs> is supposed to be able to do. Amen. How many ministers have spoken about this school of ministry we do every month? No, several ministers. Several ministers. Someone sat me down one time. He said, please, look at me. I'm your friend. Tell me the real secret behind how this thing works. And I said, the secret is that there is no secret. <laughs> Someone sent me a mail, not just last month. said, when I saw what you were doing, this is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. But I don't know, how, how does it 
happen. Are you understanding me? How? It's a grace. Amen. It's a grace. And you see, it is very easy to receive grace. Glory to God. Very easy. You know that simple scripture that says that he giveth grace to the humble. Humility is the greatest way to receive any grace. Amen. <laughs> Amen. That's it. I'll tell you a story. Years ago, we were in a... We, we, I was invited for a meeting, a conference. And they wanted me to lay hands on people to receive the Holy Spirit. And they had quite a number of people. And in those days, sometimes in those meetings, they might have 40 people, 50 people, you know, at the same time. And they want all of them to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And it became so obvious in those years um, that somebody would say, I know Brother A. He has been born again since. But he's not filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me see whether he'll be filled in this meeting. Then, I won't even know what happened behind the scenes. I just come up. And then we minister, and then people receive the Holy Spirit. I say, ah, what happened? How was it? So, in this particular conference, they invited me. And then they said, look, um, we need you to get people filled with the Holy Spirit. I said, no problem. So, they gave me no, the number of minutes or hours I had. I came up, was explaining, acts. As, as a matter of fact, I didn't even know it was something really important or special until people were talking about it. Are you understanding me? So, it didn't take like anything, you know. So, I came for that meeting, and then there were, in that particular meeting, there were 50 persons that were not filled with the Holy Spirit. So, and we had some limited time to minister. So, um, I now called the people that invited me, leaders in that particular group, and I said, who are the leaders that came? I said, okay, please, you're going to help me lay hands on these people, you know, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So, all I just did was now, I said... I'm borrowing, your, I'm borrowing your hands, alright? I just need to use your hands, that's all. Alright, so you help me touch them. So they lined up the 50 folks. And then I said, just do what I'm telling you to do. Alright? Uh, you know, there are some groups where, when they want to pray for people, they are used to a lot of drama. Are you understanding me? As if it's a drama that produces a result, you know? The person will be going around, going around, going around. You know, you know those kind of things. So, I, and, and in that place, I know they do those kind of things. So I said, don't push anybody. See, I'm just, just help me and touch the person. And they will receive. Okay? They say, yes. So, when the line of, we were singing a song, singing a song, and then when the signal of spirit came to me, and I said to them, now, touch them. So, they said, lay hands on them. And one fellow was, when he laid hands on someone, received, he said, whoa! He was excited, you know, good, you know, a good thing. Good feeling, you know. So, the laid hands, out of the 50, 49 got filled immediately. And were praying in tongues. So there was one person that was not filled. That was the only person they brought to me. So I said, bring that one. They brought that. And I laid hands on that one. And we had 50 over 50. Now, when that happened, it was a great meeting. Everybody was blessed. We closed and left. So when they were reviewing the meeting, the leaders of that organization, they now were fixing another one that they're going to hold. They now said, we don't need to invite that brother to be again. So, what somebody actually said in the meeting, after all, we are the ones that did the work. It's not, it's not only one person he laid down on. We laid down on 49. 
He laid out only one person. So what do we need to invite him for again? We'll do it by ourselves. I, did, I was not in the meeting. I didn't even know they had such a meeting. Because they were all smiling with me and greeting me. I didn't even know they had those kind of thoughts in their mind. You understand that? So I left. So when they had that meeting, they now decided among themselves that there's no need to invite him. We can do it ourselves. And the truth is that they can actually do it themselves. Okay. But let me tell you what was the problem. Alright? When Peter was rebuking Simon the sorcerer, he said something to him. He said, your heart is not right. He said, therefore you have neither lot nor part in this matter. That means you can't partake. Why? Your heart is not right. So the problem was their heart was not right. Tonight, let your heart be right. Receive. Amen. So, they now had the next meeting. I didn't even know they even had the next meeting. I was busy doing something. I didn't even know. They had another kind of the same meeting. Fixed it. Everything was set. They had a larger attendance this time. The couple heard what happened in the last one. You understand that? They were more organized this time. Everything. So it was time, and I said, well, it's time to get a few filled They called that group of people. I don't know how many, but they called out quite a number of people. And then they called the same guys, and they said, now, lay hands on them. Now, this is what the leader told me in person. He said, that night we suffered. He said, we pressed their head. We pressed their stomach. We squeezed them. We pushed them. You know, you know how some minister will try to minister somebody and then he gets angry and starts beating the person. I say, out, 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 out. <laughs> Hallelujah. He said, they did everything they knew to do. He said something that really, to, to, to the best of my knowledge, I've never even heard that kind of thing before. He said, nobody received the Holy Spirit that night. I said, I've never heard that before. He said, Nobody. He said, when we finished, we now had a meeting, we sat down. And then we concluded, that man came with something. And I want to announce to you that I came with something tonight. Amen. I came with something tonight. He said, that man came with something. And that which we came with, receive. 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 Glory to God. Ministry can be easy. Ministry can be difficult. The choice is yours. Amen. You understand that? Because God loves you so much that even if you were not doing ministry, you will still be His child. Are you understanding me? Understand that? So, God didn't call you to come and live out your time on earth carrying a burden that He didn't give to you. Amen. He said, My burden is light and my yoke is what? easy. If it is any other thing apart from that, it is not ministry. Are you understanding me? Now, don't misunderstand when we talk about the fact that, yeah, there, there are, there are there, the Bible talks about um, enduring hardness. But it's not talking about enduring frustration. Amen. There are two different things. If you come up on the pulpit every Sunday, and you feel like cursing your church members. <laughs> when you stretch your hand, you say, it will not be where, it will be where, with. you understand that? <laughs> you know that at that point, <laughs> you understand that? If you can't just see them and love them, amen? 
That means there's frustration. Are you understanding me? When you wake up in the morning and you're going to church, you say, again. Again. Amen. And under, you know, a lady was um, in the salon. And um, it was nine, uh, we got to 9 o'clock. So someone said, it's 9 o'clock. He said, oh, another night without a husband. <laughs> so if you're one of those that wake up in the morning and say, another Sunday without the unction. <laughs> Amen. Then there's help for you in the name of Jesus. Grace in the name of Jesus. That makes you do ministry. Ministry was meant to be done with the help of the Holy Spirit. It was never meant to be done any other way. It cannot succeed any other way without the help of the Spirit. So tonight we want to introduce you, i just talk as time will permit me, we want to talk about church history. Amen. We want to talk about how we can learn from church history. But Allah, the Holy Ghost will be interrupting and will be coming back and going out and coming in. So, right? so learning from church history. We want to look at the legacies. We want to look at the mistakes. And then we want to look at the way forward. Hallelujah. Alright? And it's important that in every generation, people are acquainted or informed about where they are coming from. Most of the challenges you see, um, we've had the blessing or the opportunity of being around fathers and being around people that had had experiences that we could learn from. And I feel that is a heritage that uh, we are taking advantage of. And the reason for the stability sometimes you find even in our work with God and in the things we do is because of such a background. Hallelujah. Which sometimes some churches and some ministries, some people might not have had the opportunity to have. But I believe that your associations, as the Spirit of God leads you, will give you the opportunity to be able to lean on that kind of background that helps you see everything and have a proper perspective of where you're coming from and where you're going through. Where you're going to. You know, in, in ministry, sometimes you see the name of a ministry. The name of the ministry. When you see the name of the ministry, it already tells you that the perspective of the, of the, of the set man of the ministry. Are you understanding me? That what is the purpose of running a ministry? What is the purpose of running a ministry? You see that something is somehow missing. You understand that? Man must work international church. You understand that? You understand that? You understand that? You understand that? Then you begin to wonder. You understand that? Where is this? Where else is this going to lead to? Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> it's a privilege to serve in the house of God. So I'd like to start from Jude chapter 1, verse 3. However far we can go tonight, we'll go, but uh, we're just going to minister to a few people. However far we can distance we can cover. Look at Jude 1, verse 3. I'd like us to read it together. Alright? One to go. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, 
it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly what contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Amen. He said, I gave all the, I paid attention. I took my time to write unto you. Hallelujah. When he said the common salvation, you know, um, Paul also used that terminology one of the times when he was writing, talk about uh, uh, the, like the common faith, our uh, common faith. Now when he said common, he's not talking about cheap. He's talking about something similar. You have it and I have it. Hallelujah. The same. Alright? Alright? So he said, well, we, we, I, to write unto you of this same salvation that both of us have. Hallelujah. He said, I, I, when I wrote to you, it was needful for me to do it and to instruct you to charge you, hallelujah, that what you should earnestly, when you see the word earnest, it talks about passionately. You should passionately, hallelujah, contend. The Greek word there to contend was like, hold your ground, amen. Fight to preserve it, amen. Contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. It is that faith that we are contending for that makes us look back into history. Hallelujah. To see the roots of all that is going on today in the body of Christ. Are we on track? Are we doing what we are meant to do? Or we are doing something else? You see, this is not a gimmick. It's not a game. Amen. It's not a game. Can you contend for what you don't know? Amen. How can you fight about something you don't even know the authenticity of it? Now, there are reasons why we must look at these things. I, I just want to say something that I, I, I jotted down earlier. And is the fact that right from time, in the last 2,000 years, there has always been a constant departure from and a constant return to the Holy Scriptures. The church in the last 2,000 years is either on one path, going out of it, or coming back to it. It has always been that way. A throw and fro, a throw and fro. But you know what? There's a prophetic cover that the church has. Jesus said, I, I will build my church. Hallelujah. It says, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That means that the gates of hell will attempt to. So, sometimes you see that ah, all of a sudden it has gone this way. Then now it's back that way. I know that we are meant to live our lives by looking forward. But we will do better if we understand what happened backward. Hallelujah. And that's why we're looking at this, okay? So for us to be able to go forward and know, you know let me put it this way, something simple, logic, alright? If I stand here now, where is forward? You are forward. Is that not so? Forward can change. Now, where is forward? Here is forward. Where is forward now? The former forward has become what? Backward. Where is forward now? Here is forward. Forward is determined from where you originally come from. Are you understanding me? So, when they say the church is moving forward, we can't talk about forward 
If we don't know where we are originally coming from. Hallelujah. So, where are we coming from? What is this faith that was once delivered to the saints? The times when you see people doing certain things and things are happening around, you know, and then you begin to wonder, what are they doing? You understand that? What are they doing? You know, I remember when we were about to start church. And when the Spirit of God was speaking to me, I really had a lot of concerns. You know, one of the concerns I had was that, I said, there is no reason. There are already a lot of churches, amen, when I talk local assemblies, all over the place. And I think there are enough. That's my thinking then. This was between the year 1996 and 98. I said, they're already enough. There was a particular day, December the 30th, 1998. I was on the road here in Port Harcourt City. And I was telling the Lord, let me help you count the churches so you know that you already have enough in case maybe you forgot how many you have. You understand? So I say, look at this one now. Right? By the road Bible Church, look at it. Inside the street corner ministries, look at this one. Look at this other one. You understand? I was telling him, and I wrote down how many I counted, all right? Um, coming from, for those of you that know Port Harcourt City, coming from Rumokoro Junction to Rumokuta Junction, I counted for the Lord. And I told him, this is the reason why there is no need for an extra church. Just along this road, there are already enough churches. So, I rest my case. But then the Spirit of God spoke to me. And that was the day I accepted to do what I'm doing today. He asked me a question. And the question was that, have you seen an ocean? Have you seen a sea? Where there is space. Over the sea, there is space where there is no water. I didn't understand what kind of... You know, when God starts asking you questions, say, what did I do? Just ask him, what did I do? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> what did I do? Amen. Then he said to me, the knowledge of my glory through churches and ministries will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. As the waters cover the sea. And I said, okay Lord, we're going to do it. And then I said, if we're coming to do something, then there has to be a specific reason why you're calling us. Hallelujah. What do you want us to do? What is our contribution? What's our part? And listen, all of us here, we have our contribution. Amen. Alright? So we're contending what? For the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. And earlier I said that in the last 2,000 years, there has, also, there has been a constant departure from and a constant returning to the principles of the Holy Scripture which is considered as the only rule of faith. Hallelujah. I'll just list out some benefits of studying church history. Alright? Some benefits. Why, why are we studying church history? Some benefits. Number one, we see through the study of church history, we'll see how God had moved in the past. Hallelujah. We see how God had moved in the past. We will learn from the mistakes others have made. Oh, there were mistakes. Amen. And sometimes you still see those mistakes. Because 
The reason why history repeats itself most of the time is that people didn't even know that such a thing ever happened. Let's use Nigeria, our country, for an example. This country. If you read about the things that happened before the Civil War broke out, before 1966, January 15th, and then from January 15, 1966, down to when the war ended, when you read all those things, you will know that it's something that can happen again. Amen. Because it, whatever tribal differences still exist. Am I communicating? So, you find that it is important to understand what happened. Why was it easy for this to happen? Why, what, why was it easy for that to happen? And based on that, we can avert certain things. In the body of Christ, it's the same. There are some things that run in cycles. You understand that? They run in cycles. This wave of, oh, you know, wave of, uh, oh, Ghanaian prophets have come. Ghanaian prophets have come. They say, I see, I see. It has happened many years ago. There are different cycles. If you live long enough, they will, it will happen again. Are you understanding me? Are you understanding me? So these things have happened before. Then sometimes there's a move where there's so much focus on deliverance, 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 cast out devil. You understand? Then it wanes. And then some, are you understanding me? And those things happen when something is missing. Are you understanding me? When something is missing. And then if we, by the wisdom of God, can actually see what makes that thing happen, then we can position ourselves, alright, to solve that problem. Glory to God. Now, let me tell you, there are certain things that will never happen again. But there are some things that will still happen again. If we don't play our role. I didn't know that. Okay, let me put it this way. Maybe it was not so, I was not so conscious of the fact that there are still some folks that have not even understood that. You know, I was somewhere and someone was saying something. I was wondering, I said, oh, there are still people like that. Let me give an example. Say yes, you are wearing trousers, you will go to hell. If your skirt does not pass your knee, you are going to hell. Man of God. <laughs> and there are some things that you say, eh? Is someone saying that? That means that there is still a group of people that the knowledge of what Jesus came to do has not really, they've not received it. So we need to do more. Hallelujah. We need to get the message of the finished works of Christ out more than ever. The church of Jesus Christ had gone through different stages and different phases since the upper room experience. Of course, you know the church was born in the upper room. Alright? Maybe tomorrow morning I'm going to talk about the things that happened in Acts chapter 2 from verse 1 to 47 and make you understand that these are the things that should remain. What you saw in Acts 2, 1 to 47 are the things that should remain till Jesus comes. Are you understanding me? So if you want to know whether we are on, <laughs> we are, we are on cause, that's it. We'll talk about that in the morning. Well, now, let's, let's look at it this way. In all the phases that the church of Jesus Christ has gone through, you'll find that from that upper room till dates,
God has not left himself without a witness. A lot of things have happened to believers. A lot of things have happened to the body of Christ. In um, the church history, the part really that really was interesting for me was from AD 313, you know, the time where Constantine, the emperor, you know, got involved and got born again. And then I said, but these things are already around the corner. You understand? Say, oh, now a ruler, a world ruler. Now, before that time, all right, from the upper room experience to the year AD 312, what was happening at that time was that the church was under intense persecution. There are about 10 emperors that had ruled within that period. And they persecuted the church. They killed believers. Oh, you, you, know, you know, baptism as we do it now, it's just, oh, we want to get baptized. In those days, in, in, in the apostolic days, baptism is also a way you openly declare your faith. Are you understanding me? So you come out to be baptized. And it can be done in secret. It has to be done in a river. Everybody say, ah, that guy is part of them. I was there when he was baptized. He's part of them. He's part of them. So it was very easy to locate believers. Just find the ones that were baptized. Amen. And so the persecution of the church was so strong. But we were studying and found out that in all the various circles of church, 2,000 years, it was when persecution was strongest that they had the greatest results. That's the way Jesus said, one of the blessings that come is persecution. He said that persecution is a blessing. So in any church age where persecution is absent, something Something that produces what we are, produces what, what we are meant to produce, is also our sense. So I will just focus on the time there was no persecution. And you know, the church age, they have been praying. You know, um, people were dying, people were killed. Um, time will fail me to go into the details of it. You know, and several people. Then it came to a particular time when that Emperor Constantine came and began to rule. Then he got born again. Yes, he actually got saved. Wow! That was a big deal. It's just like today we say, oh, a serving president is born again and filled with the Holy Ghost. But you know something? No serving president or politician can save the church. The church, the only help that the church needs is the help that comes from Jesus himself. Any other help that is offered is like somebody hearing that a woman is pregnant and wants to relieve her of keeping the child for nine months. Amen. I say, ah, it's three months, let's help. What you will produce will not be a child that is complete. Are you understanding me? So, any external help that tries to come, oh, so because if, if, if now in, the, in Nigeria, for example, let's suppose that there's a revival in the Senate, there's a revival in the House of Reps, and everybody gets born again and feel the Holy Ghost, Nigeria will change. Nigeria might change, but it doesn't mean it will be positive at the end for the body of Christ. Amen. Truly. So, we'll be careful about what we desire. So, um, the Constantine guy got saved. And then, he decided that, look, since I am born again, everybody must be born again. So he came up with a law, a decree. They have what they call the Edict of Milan. You know? And when they came up with that, it was first an act for to tolerate believers. That means that don't persecute believers anymore. But now they also came up with another act that everybody must be saved. But that's not how God planned for people to be saved. He didn't plan for people to be saved at gun points. Are you understanding me? You'll give your life to Christ or you die. He didn't plan for that. Salvation was meant to be something, a choice. Are you understanding me? So now, this is a man that is trying to help God. Amen. Are you understanding me? This is the easiest way to evangelize the world. 
Come up with a decree in Nigeria. Amen. Everybody must be saved. You either saved or you die. And we're told that at that point, the emperor became the leader of the church and the leader of the states. God never planned for it to be so. Even in the Jewish and among the Israelites, God separated the governance of states from running of the spiritual affairs. Always separated it. There was a prophet and there's a king. Always. Never was the king the prophet, at least to the nation. And never was the prophet the king. Are you listening? So, Constantine became everything. And from that point upward up till when Roman Catholics I'm very careful about that side, amen, came in. What had happened was that you now have people that were not saved at heart, but had the actions of church. Are you understanding me? Yes, they are not saved, but they go to church. It was not like that before. If you read the scriptures in Acts, there was a part where the Bible says that, and the fear of the Lord came upon the church, and nobody added themselves to them. Are you understanding me? Meaning that it was clear, these are the saved ones, these are not the saved ones. That's how it was in Acts. Hallelujah. Unbelievers did not try to mingle. Are you understanding me? They know they are not saved. But when this Constantine guy came and said, hey, hey, this guy is going to be, so people are afraid. You understand that? So uh, there's a story about how in certain um, 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 parts of Europe, you know, some of them that worshipped idols and had believed in, um, in several gods, polytheism, believed in several gods. You know what they started doing? They are still worshipping their gods, but they named them after angels, amen, and saints. Are you understanding me? So, if you come there, you say, ah, what's that there? You say, no, ah, this is the, uh, this thing of angel Michael. You hear something from the Bible, you leave them. Are you understanding me? But it's just a new name they gave to the same idols that they have been worshipping before. So, the truth was that there was no real transformation. It was just a surface thing going on. And that decline continued. But I want to focus on what happened before Constantine. Amen. And how that age, which we've come to refer to as with the age or the era of universal Christianity, or some would call it Catholic Christianity, what they mean is that, you know, there was some kind of unity amongst the people in the body of Christ, you know. It was one holy apostolic church, so to speak. In that age, the things that happened then are the things we should still look out for long before the Constantine guy. Amen. Now, I'm not talking like he's the baddest guy in the bunch. You know, permit baddest. You understand? No, no, I'm just trying to explain that his, his intended good did not now help the situation. Hallelujah. Alright, so I'm, I'm going to show you three important things that happened before that time. Hallelujah. And they should remain even today. Glory to God. Number one. Um... Most Bible historians always start their talk from A.D. 70. And why they start from that was that in A.D. 69, the Jerusalem was destroyed and the temple was destroyed. And so it is believed that the Judaism, the practice of Judaism actually died in that year. So every other thing they were doing was pure Christianity. Alright? 
And in those ages, in those seasons, a lot of things, they, they preach the gospel to their, their own world. Their world heads the gospel. The world that they lived in at that time all received the gospel. And so, number one thing that marked that generation was the flame of evangelism. Hallelujah. So, in any generation that you look at, and that flame of evangelism is not burning, that fervor for soul winning is not there, then it means something is absent. Glory to God. That I am saying also applies to your church, your ministry. If that flame for evangelism is not burning, something is missing. Glory to God. Something is missing. Why? What is the rule for the fivefold ministries? And he gave some apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. For what? For the perfecting of the saints. To do what? To do the work of the ministry. What is the work of the ministry? To reach the world. Hallelujah. So, if you want to look at the role of the church just in two ways. One, what we're doing is building the church and reaching the world. Basically. Are you understanding me? Those are the two. Every other thing is an offshoot of those two things. Building the church, reaching the world. Building the church, what? Reaching the world. Building the church to reach the world that becomes part of the church that is built again to reach the world. Amen? Now, if we don't want to get into too many things that will make you say there are eight purposes or twelve purposes, just put it this way. It's as simple as that. Building the saints, alright? And then reaching the world. It's easy, is that not so? Very easy. Praise God. So, once that flame of evangelism is out, you know that. So, within that age, long before the Constantine guy came, there was that flame of evangelism. Christianity reached the entire Roman Empire. Christianity moved from the east to the west. To Western Europe reached far, 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 went so far, reached everywhere uh, by the 4th or 5th century, crossed into Britain and, um, and much how the gospel got around the whole world. Glory to God. You also find that the second thing um, we're still talking about was the fact that the church experienced persecution. I mentioned that earlier. Hallelujah. Persecution was part of it. For some of us that have embraced the message of the finished work, we seem to forget the fact that there is a devil. Everybody said there is a devil. <laughs> the only reason why someone thinks that there is no devil again is that the devil got him. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> you understand that? There is a devil. You know, most of the time when we preach um, in the US or in the UK, I always bring that consciousness back. Are you understanding me? There is a devil. And there is no internet or technology that can, you know, decimate the devil. Are you understanding me? There is a devil. Real, real devil. Amen. And when you understand that, it changes how you see persecution. Because if there is no persecution, it simply means that the devil is comfortable with what you are doing. Amen. No, but because if he's not comfortable with what you are doing, he's going to keep trying, you know, See, the devil learns how not to give up from God the Father. Are you understanding me? So he doesn't give up. Are you understanding me? He's going to keep trying. He's going to keep putting pressure on you. He's going to 
push people. You know, unbelievers, sometimes even believers that are not yielded to God's word to oppose what you are doing, to confront you, to try to stop you. It says, they that live godly shall suffer persecution. That means that's a sign that you are doing the right thing. Amen. For the purpose of those of you that are taking notes, let me just give you the different eras in Christianity, then we'll be taking it to different eras, alright? So I have here six different eras of church history. The first one I was mentioning to you is the era of persecution. I'll try to take them in peace, all in peace, okay? So it will help you. The era of persecution from when the early church was born down to the time of Constantine that I mentioned earlier. The second era was the era of popularity, alright? Popularity, persecution to popularity. Popularity came when Constantine took over, and then it was a big deal to be part of the church. You know, you, you, you are among if you are in the church. You understand that? That's the way to go. That's the thing to do. That's how to practice. That's how it's supposed to be. All right? And so everybody belonged to the church, even if everybody was not saved. Amen. So let's, these things that happen in different eras are also things that happen to a local church. A local church goes through those different phases. Amen. Are you understanding me? A local church goes through those phases. There's a phase where you start ministry and everything looks difficult. Everybody looks, what is he doing? What, is, what are they doing? What are, you know, what's happening there? What do they think there? Then a time comes where you are accepted. Amen. In that time of acceptance, some ministers lose it. You know what acceptance and recognition means? That people now say, um, yeah, he's a man of God. You know, even a crook, a criminal, is, you know, validating your ministry. You understand that? A politician, the looter, you understand that, is, is validating your ministry. Yeah, yeah, if they talk about true men of God, we talk about people like they call your name. Are you understanding me? Now, if their validation now makes you not to speak truth anymore, amen, not makes you now to try to, you know, that's what has happened to the church in some parts of the world, hallelujah, where because of the validation of the world, they are trying to be careful about how the world perceives them, and then they start saying things they are not supposed to say. Even they, they know that they are saying what they are not supposed to say. Glory to God. For example, the issue of gay marriage. There, there, is, no, there is no gracious exemption for the fact that the scriptures clearly define what marriage is. What's the definition of marriage? Genesis 2. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and be joined to another man. He said a man shall be joined to, another, to a woman, to his wife, and the two shall be one. Is that not so? That's the definition of marriage. So God already knew and had given the definition of what marriage is. So there is a God Bible definition of marriage and there is any other thing anybody can say. It doesn't change the fact. So that's why we cannot now have gay elders. We can't have gay elders. Amen. Don't misunderstand me. We can have gay fellows in church. Are you understanding me? That I came to church and they are gay. And we are preaching to them to be saved. 
Then we could also have people that are saved are still struggling with homosexuality. The same way people could be saved and struggling with any other thing. But it doesn't make it right. Amen. Some of them need to renew their mind. Some need to be prayed for. You devil, lose your grip on this brother. Lose your grip on him. Lose! Then the team will go out. Yeah! Hallelujah. And then he will be straight. Amen. Glory to God. Pastors, understand that. Don't joke with that. There's, not, there's nothing modern or civilization or anything about it. It's just demonic. Amen. Praise God. So the age of popularity. Then we have the third phase. The era of the popes. That was almost a thousand years. Amen. The era of the popes. So persecution, popularity, popes. Then the fourth era is the era of the protestants. Amen. Then the fifth era is the era of progress. And then the sixth era is the present era. So I'll take it again. Alright, if you're writing down. Persecution, popularity, popes, protestants, progress, and the present. I'll take it one more time. Persecution, popularity, popes, protestants, progress, and present. Now, every local church goes through these phases too. Amen. Mm-hmm. Yep. Goes through those phases. A time comes in every church as you grow where money bags start coming to church. Hallelujah. Those that... <laughs> I, I, told, I don't know if it was here, or I told a story about a fellow that was telling, <laughs> was telling me that, uh, Pastor, money has a spirit. And he said that someone came to meet him and they wanted him to do something that was not straight. You understand that? And then they kept, is it two billion? cash in front of him and they were discussing they just packed the money kept everywhere that he's sitting here the fellow is sitting the other way money in front of him they said what were you saying he said he forgot what he wanted to say he's trying to talk he was stammering he said what's wrong with me the guy said talk 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 what are you saying and when he's talking the guy is looking at the money Someone went to see a politician and the guy wanted him to switch over from one, part, one of the parties to the other party. He's a believer. You know what they did to him? He got to the guy's sitting room. Before he came, there was dollars arranged on the center table. So he came in and they also said, sit down. So he sat down before the boss came. So dollars was there in front of him. <laughs> you know, he was just looking at the dollars. Then the man came and said, ah, yeah, I sent, I sent for you. So how are you? Um... He did as he wanted to move the dollar. Say, okay, it's okay here. All right, go ahead. Say what you want to say. <laughs> he, said, um, he was the one that was telling the man, changing party is not my problem. <laughs> this is someone that when he was coming was telling them what? Me. Me. Well, he said, changing, my party, changing my party is not my problem. Okay, I said, I want you to advise me on how to do it without stress. <laughs> is the money on the table? So that era of popularity was an era also that brought great prosperity to the church. 
Some people say that we, they don't even think the church had prospered now as it prospered then. The church had money. So don't think that money is the problem of the body of Christ. It's not. The church had money. There are some churches that had gold inside the temples that they built. If you even hear some of the comments that some of the popes made sometimes, you will wonder some things they said. Someone said that even if angels come into our church, they'll be tempted not to go back to heaven. Because, you see, yeah, they were that prosperous. They had money. So that season when some people that can change, you know, we, we praise God. It's not everything that happens to us that we get to say, you know. But there are things that people do to influence ministers. And we have to be careful. Someone comes to the church and says, Ah, President, what's that conference you're having again? He says, Ah, it is a conference on the blood of Jesus. It's okay, okay. Blood of Jesus. Um, I want to give you a check for five million. But I don't like the title of the conference. It's too bloody for me. It's too bloody for me. You understand? Can you remove that blood thing in the conference? Let's call it a new name. Let's repackage the conference. Let's repackage the conference. Say, okay, so what, what are you suggesting? Let's call it conference. Remove all the blood things around it. He's giving you five million. So, okay, is it only blood you want me to remove? Only blood? <laughs> what about the Jesus? <laughs> the five million remove the blood, and now five million remove Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. And that's what happens. And then once that kind of move has been made, you know, let me explain to you, pastors. If you are a pastor, there are people God has called you to influence. And once you make a misstep, a lot of others make a misstep. So somebody was in that meeting in your church office, or someone was doing PA for you when you were collecting five million to remove blood. Five years later, that guy is a pastor now. <laughs> he said, we don't need blood. Blood is to block five million. You understand? <laughs> when I was working with my mentor, he removed blood, he had five million. Now we're going to remove Jesus. <laughs> Are you understanding me? Generation after generation, there's a decline, there's a decline, there's a decline. And then some people come to church and they don't even know what church is all about anymore. It's about Jesus Christ. So I just listed all the errors to you. I'll end, just allow me to say this. Now, in that era that I talked about before Constantine, they focused on evangelism. They focused on the fact that they, they knew the persecution was part of the church. You know? But there's something happened else that happened. They, in that era, it was marked by formulation of truths. What is the truth? Questions came up. Who is Jesus Christ? Amen. And those questions, every minister should, who is Jesus Christ? There are two major groups. There's a group called the Ebionites, 
and there was a group called the Gnostics. They had different views about Jesus. One group said, Jesus was a good guy, he was a man. But he's not God. Hallelujah. He's a man. The Ebionite said he was a man. Then the Gnostic said, he's not a man. Hallelujah. But what does the Bible say? Now, in, 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 you know, so they came up with creeds, you know, the, the season of creeds, you know. They had the Council of Nicaea, they came up with creeds. What were the creeds to say? This is what we believe. Amen. That's why sometimes some of your ministries, you have statements of faith. Yeah? You still do it. Those are creeds. Amen. And they say, this is what we believe and must be passed from generation to generation. That Jesus Christ was a man and he is God. Hallelujah. So the title Son of Man and Son of God are all his own. Amen. When he walked this earth, he was fully man. And he is fully God. There's a phrase in the creed that says the very God of the very God. Hallelujah. Amen. Are you understanding me? That can never change and should never change. The second thing that they wanted to decide on truth was what is Bible and what is not Bible. Amen. There are many books. Which one is Bible? Which one is the inspired word of God? They had to agree. In that age, they didn't have an issue of whether the Bible is the word of God. No. What they had was which one is the Bible. They know that the Bible is the word of God. Are you understanding me? But which one is Bible and which one is not? Today, people are now disputing, is the Bible the word of God? You see how the devil behaves? All scripture are given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished what? Unto all good works. A scripture. So, what's the scripture? What's the scripture? What Aristotle said, or Origen said, or Plato said, is not scripture. Amen. Are you understanding me? So you can't build your church on what any of them said. Hallelujah. It's built on what the Word of God says. Some of us might think we've passed that stage. And I want to expect that we've passed that phase. Because we should be in the phase now. Okay, we now know the Scripture is the Word of God. Now, rightly divide it. Know the difference between old and new. But let's first come to that part. What is Scripture? Hallelujah. The seven churches in the book of Revelation, Ephesus, Smyrna, Sardis, Thyatira, Pegamos, Laodicea, Philadelphia, the churches, people agree that what Jesus addressed likely was also the same phases that the church had gone through, hallelujah, from then till dates. We'll have time to look at that tomorrow. But get this in your spirit. God is building His church, hallelujah, through you. And at the end of the day, the gates of hell will not prevail against His church. Hallelujah. 
the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. You know why you're hearing these things? Perhaps there is an onslaught of darkness coming to distract people, churches, ministries. Some of them, it could even be a blessing that came. But the blessing now becomes like a distraction. Are you understanding me? A pastor got lottery. Lottery. Oh, it's an American lottery, yeah? To travel to America. And then he got to America. And when he arrived, the streets of, I can't remember the city now, it's in New York or so. Ha! Man. The guy forgot what he went there to do. It's not ministry he went to do. Now, ministry he was trying to reach him. There are some pastors in the denominational church in Nigeria. The large church, if I mention the name, you know it. They were, when they started their African meet um, program, um, churches to start land churches in Africa, they sent some pastors in training to South Africa. If it was Europe or um, North America, I would have said, South, then, South Africa. When they arrived, South Africa, the guys, they forgot where they came from. I almost mentioned the name of church. Let me not mention it. So, the leader of the church said, as they are there, sack them. So they sacked all that, that generation. They sacked almost all of them. Why? They said they went there. Some of them, for the first time, went to see a real beach. And they were snapping pictures with naked women. <laughs> the, 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 the excitement of traveling. <laughs> are we together? And they've sacked them. I was in Sweden. Thank you, Father. There's a pastor here. You're hearing these things because God is addressing major issues you're going through in your life. And the things you're going through in your life is affecting your call and your ministry. So these things you're hearing is bringing correctness to your spirits. After today, you will see that this is what you needed. Hallelujah. For the next phase of what God wants to do in your life and in your ministry. In the name of Jesus. So, I was in Sweden. And someone hosted me. And I found out why the gospel sometimes doesn't have that punch it should have. Because, you see, Sweden is one of the most prosperous people living there are doing well. You understand what I mean? Even some of them are doing better than people living in America. Life is good. The Scandinavian countries, Norway, Sweden, they're doing well financially. It's money. So there's a lot of enjoyment. So I arrived, I've told the story several times. I arrived, and then we're coming for a meeting. I'm coming to blaze the place. You understand that? You know, there's blazing. You understand? When you get there, I say, open my mouth, fire! You understand? I'm coming to blaze. So, I arrived, I think, on a Thursday. I came in from London. I arrived, and then I was in my hotel room. Then the man of God said, Wait, he showed me the program they have for me. If I go through that program, I will forget what I came to preach. See program. In the evening, they're going to take you for cinema. In the morning, they're going to take you sightseeing. In the afternoon, you're going to have lunch with so-so people. Then the women group want to do this for me. Then this one to do that for me. Some are even one hour to the preaching time. 
You know, on your way to social place, you will check on this and take pictures at social place. You know what I told the man? I said, if I came on a tour, I will come on my own. I said, I'm in London every other day. I could always stroll into Sweden. That's not what I came for. I came to preach the gospel. I know what I was doing. I was teaching him what it means to be a minister. Because maybe he has forgotten. What it means to be in ministry is not to know everywhere in Sweden. I pray he has this thing. And then, because he said, he said, um, I know you're coming from, um, you know, maybe you, you're now in Europe, you might need a place where you see some African delicacy. I said, I'm not looking for anything. He, he won't give up. You understand? After I come and say, there's a place not far from here. They have point and kill. <laughs> Swedish version. I said, even in Africa, I've not gone to do point and kill. <laughs> Amen. They have everything lined up. He'll bring this drink. I said, this drink is a life-giving something, something, vitamin. It was produced so, so, and so, and so. You know, we brought a special advice. I said, thank you. He'll come and say, you've not drank it. No, 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 sir. Take this one. I said, how will it help the unction? <laughs> they tried to take me out on the Saturday of the program. That was the night of miracles and all that. The Saturday of the program. He came. He, he asked me, do you, do you, I said, I'm not going anywhere. He, said, <laughs> he came in the afternoon, around 12 1. He came in. He said, we came to... I know you told me you're not going anywhere, but just in case you change your mind. I said, no, I didn't change my mind. He walked around my room, walked around my room, looked around. He saw my Bible and books all over the bed. He said, you have not gone out. I said, no. He said, you've not stepped out of this room. I said, no, you've not stepped out. He walked around. You know what he did? He touched the TV. It was cold. He said, me, you were not watching television. I said, no. He couldn't understand it. He said, so what are you doing? I said, I'm doing what I came for. He said, okay, should I bring your lunch? I said, no, I'll eat after the meeting. Then he left. On Saturday night, when the power of God hit that place, when we came back for the meeting, he said, how can I have this thing in my church all the time? I said, by staying in the house, the way I stayed. I said, that's how. Stay there. You can't be in all the point and key places. So, in that meeting, the man was shouting in the meeting. You know why he was shouting? You know, the power of God broke after there are different phases. There's a phase of the, the vocal gifts, there's a phase of the revelational gifts and the power gifts. After the power gifts, we now start flowing the revelational gifts. So I, I will stand in front of this person and then words will come. When I say, You were here, so, 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 the man will say, On point! Exactly! I know him! <laughs> then I'll go to this person and I'll start. He said, Yes! Then he came and said, Everything was exactly! And I said, you want to see that it can happen every day in your church. But you have to lock Sweden out of your life. We finished preaching. I've been through that place maybe three times or thereabouts. And then, 
the first time I came, he said, let's go to Norway. Let's go to Norway. Let's go to Norway. I said, I'm not going. I, 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 my plan, I came to Sweden. I have another meeting in London next week. I'm going for that meeting. I'm back to Nigeria. He said, well, well, won't you just want... I said, that's not what I came for. Do you know, they offered me money. There are some things we don't say. He said, he gave me a figure. He said, someone's going to give you, he mentioned a number of amount of dollars. If you get to Norway, you're going to be paid such an amount. Let's go to Norway. I said, you don't know me. You don't know me. You don't know me. To go and do what? We went back to London. What God had used us to do was to make him see what real ministry is. Tonight, I pray that God has opened your eyes also to understand what it means to be in ministry. Rise on your feet. I just want to pray with you quickly. What it is to be in ministry. Then we know that this is not a joke. Lift up your voice in other tongues. We just have like five or few minutes. Lift up your voice in other tongues everywhere. Moskelende eske pratoso, like protoso. Leske pratoso, leke patasha. Anda aske. Losko prondo breske protoso. Lenge bande. Moso, get on the keyboard. Leske protondo, leske pratasa. Landeleske, letoso, lebondo bregadiske. Balloon de Bregadiske, men that will stand for truth. Lake Rotondo Breske Platoso, Patanda. Mante Libondo Bregadiske, Ratanda Aska. Mande Libosu Brene Bonobos Bregadibos Bregadigari. Malanda Alaska Platoso, Lake Rende Brodos or the Broso Bregadia. Malanda Brasco, Poso Brez. Strength to stay on course, to stay focused, to keep your eyes on Jesus and nothing else. That strength is coming to your spirit to stay on course, to keep your eyes on Jesus and no one else. Nothing else but Jesus. No one else but Jesus. Always Jesus. Always Jesus. Is all you've come to do. Yes, Lord. Thank you for listening to this message. If you have been blessed, you can reach us by email on info at faith2faithonline.org or call us on 234-806-361-3560. You are big, blessed, and loaded. Hey!